North Organic CBD is a new sponsor of Holding Court. I love their CBD gummies. They come in two delicious flavors, strawberry lemonade and green apple. I've had them both, both amazing. One a day and you're totally okay. I like to stay active. I like to keep playing tennis. I like to get in the gym. That's why I love North Organic CBD. Their products are made in the USA. They're high quality. They're specially formulated, broad spectrum, organic CBD products for everyday adventurers. Don't forget about the very popular CBD salve from North Organics. Immediate relief of any physical pain. I use it daily for my sore shoulders, sore knees, hips, you name it. It works wonders. Go to NorthOrganicCBD.com and enter Patrick20, that's Patrick20, for 20% off your order. Hi, everybody. I'm Patrick McEnroe, and this is Holding Court. All right, this edition of Holding Court, everyone. Patrick McEnroe here, my good buddy Brad Gilbert joining me. And, uh, you know, we were uh, sort of texting back and forth a couple of days ago, BG, and I wanted to get your thoughts on the BNP Paribas Open uh, and Taylor Fritz winning the title there and the Young Americans. We like to have fun with that over the course of the year, you and me. So I know our fans will be into that. But of course, the news just breaking in the last 24 hours that Ashley Barty announcing her retirement, BG, did you see this coming? Because I know I did not, although I guess I could say now I'm not shocked by her announcement, but certainly at this point, very surprised. You? I'm I'm absolutely stunned, Patrick. My phone started blowing up last night with our ESPN text chain and then I got some other texts and then I I went to Twitter and I was like really because I was kind of thinking you know is she going to get the career grand slam this year she started the year so well and she was actually becoming a dominant number one yeah I'm absolutely stunned but remember I believe it was almost eight years ago when she was 17 she'd already made I think the finals of a slam and doubles she she stopped playing and started playing cricket so it kind of lets me to believe, will she stop here and will we see her pro golfer, maybe at Aussie Rules football? Will she go back <laughs> to cricket? Because I, I do think she's that rare type of athlete. Yeah, I mean, she's uh, got unbelievable hand-eye coordination, as, as we know. And I must say, when I saw the news, the first thing I thought was, okay, she'll be back in two or three years. You know, she's only 25. And as you said, uh, number one in the world. But even even most impressive about her was not only did she win the Australian Open this year, but it was, you know, dare I say, almost Serena-like, the way she dominated, almost Steffi-like. Steffi Graf, of course, I know you like to bring her up quite a bit in her years of domination. Obviously, Barty's career, not yet anywhere near the level of those two all-time greats. But what she did in Australia, basically totally dominating the field. I mean, got tested a little bit in the championship match, but she was winning her matches, losing just a couple of games per match. Well, the dominating came from the way she was holding serve. And remember, after the Open, she pulled the ripcord on the rest of the year to, you know, because it was a taxing year being away from Australia. And so I thought she was playing better than I had ever seen her. And I, you know, dare say that I thought she would win possibly two, if maybe three slams this year. She just looked set. So 
I, I mean, all of a sudden now with the women's game, opportunity knocks for a lot of players. But I think it's tennis's loss because she had such an appealing game to watch. Yeah, no, you're right about that. And uh, maybe her her gain, obviously, you know, I've got a lot of responses. I'm sure you have on Twitter, uh, which is where you and I reside a lot with our social media. You know, of people saying, oh, she'll be back. People saying good honor, you know, the, the Aussies, that she's a great representation of Australia. Obviously, we know that. Uh, but making her own decision, being able to walk away. Uh, there's, there's a multitude of ways you could look at this, but I think as I look at it, BG, this is someone who uh, is literally playing the best tennis of her career in the, in the last nine months, winning Wimbledon, which she said was her sort of her lifetime dream, her goal, which for, his, for many Aussies, it's actually bigger to win Wimbledon than to win the Australian Open. She did that. Then she dominates in Australia, having all the pressure on her. And she says, I've done it. And apparently you, you mentioned the text thread. We've got Darren Killer Cahill on that. We'll get into his story a little bit too as well. We've got Renee Stubbs, a former player who's good, very close with Ashley Barty. And I think both of them, and they have maybe even more inside info than we do when it comes to, the, to Ashley Barty, were surprised to hear the way this came down. And it just sort of came out of nowhere. Although Renee did say uh, in the course of that text thread that she'd been hearing that Ash Barty hadn't played tennis at all. So maybe she just losing the motivation to get out there and train, I guess. Well, she actually looked as fit as I've ever seen her, Pat, and as keen as I've seen her playing-wise in Australia after taking that break. And I actually thought this little break was going to help her hit the reset button for the clay. But remember, on a personal level, she's getting married. You know, who knows? Maybe she wants to start a family. Or maybe, you know, it's one of those things that she is at, at a place where she's really happy and or she feels like, you know what, after winning Australia, that's what I always wanted to do. I've accomplished that. And maybe I want to accomplish being a pro golfer. I want to call, you know, listen, they have, they now have an Australian rules footy for females. So maybe she's going to, you know, remember her big bash in the cricket. Right. I wouldn't be surprised if she did any of the above, but she looks really happy and, it's most unusual, obviously, at her age at 25 to walk away. Borg walked away at 25. He came back. Mm-hmm. But the one thing I did see a ton of on Twitter, people were instantly saying, and I, it got me to think, why don't they just remove her from the rankings? And you know what? Tom Brady retired. What did he do two months later? He unretired. So they don't take you off the rankings just in case you decided to unretire. And she'll still be number one, get weeks at number one until she's passed. Yeah, I think I think you can petition the tour to take you off the computer if you want, if you re- if you decided to retire. So it will be interesting uh, to see how that plays out. But clearly, Ash Barty, you know, as you said, the being from Australia, we know this through our buddy Darren Cahill is very has been very taxing, you know, psychologically, mentally, just to travel wise for players and coaches alike, anyone in the tennis world because of the protocols to get back into the country. I mean, Darren spent what well, I mean. He, he went through times where he spent like a full month doing full quarantine. 28 yeah. days and they didn't get to leave the room. No opening the window. And that thing was just a ripper. And, and I believe that Ash, after the open last year, she had to do Sydney and she had to do in Brisbane. So she had to do it as well. Mm. But I do think, you know, rethinking about it and everything like that, she's in a great 
spot, you know, personally, mentally, physically, getting married, new chapter in her life. Uh, and maybe, you know, happiness sometimes, you know, can be above everything else. Yeah, and sometimes happiness, obviously, you know, many people have said this to me as well on Twitter. It's not just about playing tennis. Uh, you know, maybe she, her her love of tennis may be dissipating, or maybe she never really loved tennis. She's obviously just great at it. Uh, and maybe she loves it so much that she's accomplished what she's accomplished, and she's happy to walk away. Uh, unlike, uh, you know, Roger Federer, who's got four kids, and Novak Djokovic, who's got kids, and Andy Murray, who's got plenty of kids. If you're a female and you want to have multiple children, it's slightly more complicated to continue your professional uh, athletic career. So maybe that, as you noted, playing into this decision as well. And I don't think any of us really know. She gave an interview to Casey Delacqua, who's a great friend of hers, former doubles partner of hers, where she just basically said, look, I'm ha- like you said, I'm happy. I've accomplished the things that I wanted to accomplish, and I want to move on with the rest of my life. We will see what that ends up being. I mean, we saw Kleisters, we've seen him, we've seen players come back, and obviously at such a young age, but she looks really content. And like I said, I think before we see her play tennis, remember way back in the day, Althea Gibson went from a tennis player to a golfer. Babe Dietrich to Harriet. Remember, she went to a pro golfer. I really think that she's going to make, like, whether it's Aussie football or golf, you know, maybe I'm crazy, but I I think she's going to make a go at one of those. And she's a pretty darn good golfer, right? I mean, I know she plays all the time. She goes out with her crew, with her coach, and so on. So, do you know? Have you have you had any idea got how, more time for it? How good do you think she is? You have you heard? Because Marty Fish, our American Davis Cup captain, now he's out. You know, he plays on sort of that celebrity uh, ex uh, athlete tour and does extremely well. He's very good. Not good enough to be a a, a pro level golfer on the main tour but certainly darn good. I wonder what her level is. I'm guessing she's probably, you know, close to Marty Fish level. Um, and now she's going to have a little more time. It's just something I was thinking about because of obviously the cricket and, and it wasn't like she was just somebody that was just lucky to be on the team. She was actually pretty good. So I'm guessing that if she does do something, you know, it would be okay. I'm going to give it a go, but just, you know, content, happiness, or listen, you know, I don't want to deal with, you know, all the, the pressure and stress. I've done all the things I want to do. I'm really happy. Yeah, the, that yeah, is yeah, good for her and good, good honor. As they say, yeah, exactly. Honor. As the Aussies would say, good honor. Yeah. And the other thing, excuse me, is that, you know, I don't know if money plays any part of this, uh, but obviously athletes nowadays, if you reach the top of your profession, as Ash Barty has, you know, you make enough money to where you could actually retire. You don't have to make money, which was different, uh, you know, 20, 25 years ago. Okay, let's move into your take overall on the BNP Paribas Open, which was great to see it back sort of at full capacity. I got out there just for a couple of days to do some stuff with BNP because they sponsor our tennis academy here in New York. So I was there for a couple of days. I actually saw Taylor Fritz win his quarterfinal match, BG. Obviously, uh, you know, the biggest win by far of his career. Uh, Rafael Nadal, uh, you know, having the rib injury going into the final, which I guess he hurt in the middle of that semifinal with Carlos Alcaraz, who I happen to think is the next great uh, a male player. But overall, your, your thoughts on the tournament and what you took out on the men's side? Well, first of all, let's just think about the American flag. I mean, Seven Americans in the top 40, six of them are 24 and under. 
Taylor Fritz survived. It's like one of those things, survive and move on. Third round, fourth round, back-to-back, seven, six in the third. And he got better. And a couple of things that he's doing better that I never thought that I'd see him do it. He's ripping his backhand. I mean, all of a sudden, I always thought he had a big forehand, and he kind of, you know, I'm not going to say massage the backhand, but all of a sudden I'm thinking, man, he, he was absolutely thumping the backhand. And considering he was supposed to have had a bum ankle in the final, right. and I heard he got it numbed, actually, actually the best I'd ever seen a movie. He almost looked like he was flying around the court. So he's improved his movement. So a lot of positive signs for him and knocking on the door for the top 10. And for Nadal, I was thinking that he got his back adjusted and it, and people thought it was his back, maybe his chest a little bit. I was thinking from the manipulation that he got in the semis, maybe the final, maybe they jacked up his rib. But I've never, ever heard, Patrick, in all of my time in tennis, in over 40-plus years of pro tennis, I've never heard of a football injury into a cracked rib. <laughs> right. And I can't believe if he had a cracked rib. Do you know how hard it is to play in tennis when you got a stomach injury? Right. I cannot believe that he could actually have played. And he was in position there. He missed an easy swing in volley at 5-4 in that second set breaker when he started to play a little bit better. But first of all, just an incredible effort. And I think he managed to do that based upon his love of that event. And it was great seeing the full crowd and knowing what Larry Ellison has meant to tennis. It, it, it was an incredible effort. I'm not going to take nothing away from Taylor Fritz's tournament, but just a great effort. If a guy, I'm sure he, they, he didn't know it. I'm sure the trainers didn't know it, but I, I just, seriously, that's a football injury, a cracked rib. But let's move past that and say exciting times. All of a sudden, who would have thought in the history of like in the last, you know, five, six years, the American men are actually pushing past the American women at mm-hmm. the moment. Mm-hmm. Interesting, isn't it? Yeah. Well, let's, let's talk about that before. And then I want to get your thoughts on Alcaraz because uh, I think he's phenomenal. But okay, so we've got you and I like to do this. I mentioned this on my previous podcast, by the way, Brad, sort of teasing this one, knowing that uh, I was going to be lucky enough to have you back on. And by the way, thank you for giving me a few minutes and coming back on. Which my was, pleasure, buddy. Yeah. This is before beer time. We're all good. Exactly. Which is like, you know, we like to go back and forth. We have, okay, who, which American's going to be the best shot to maybe win a major or to finish, you know, the highest ranked American. So we've got Riley Opelka. We've got Jensen Brooksby. We've got Taylor Fritz now winning a master's title. We've got Francis Tiafo. We've got Tommy Paul. We've got Sebastian Corda. So those are the guys you mentioned. So right now, if I'm saying to you, I'm texting you, BG, like we always like to do, who has the best chance to win a major out of those American male players right now? I mean, it's a tough question at the moment. I will say, I thought at the start of 2022, if you'd asked me before the start of the year, who will be the number one American at the end of the year, I would have said Jensen Brooksby. Okay. But then he got COVID and had to miss Australia. Now Taylor winning Indian Wells. He's number three on the live race. I actually feel like he's got a great chance to make Turin. So I will say he will be the highest ranked American. Um, Let's start with Taylor and say, I think his, you know, he just made his round first round of 16 at the Aussie. I think it's crucial for him before I'm going to say he's going to be able to win a major. 
Let, let's get a quarters or semis. Let's mm-hmm. get a couple of quarters. So I think he needs a little consistency to be in the business end of a slam before all of a sudden I, like, I'm going to feel like, geez, he could win Wimbledon or win the Open. So I, I do think he needs to make a little further run. Okay. I still think that Jensen Brooksby and Corda have the most upside, but I didn't see this little jump that Taylor Fritz has made. And Opelka has got, you know, obviously you can't coach being seven feet tall. So those four I see as the first four. And I, I do think a good thing, Patrick, is that they're kind of jockeying. Who's going to mm-hmm. be that guy to make a quarters or semis first? And I do think that when you have a good group, you know, with Roddick, Blake, Fish, Janibri, I it helped that group. And obviously the amazing one with Agassi, Courier, Sampras, Chang. Right. I, I, you know, so I'm not ready to say we're in that. But this <laughs> no, is me neither. The best right. board that, you know, and, and six or seven guys we've had in a long time. I, I still probably, you, you know, listen, if Jensen or Corda both develop a 135 bomb, I'm ready to say either one of those two guys are probably the one, two. That's still a big if because, you know, mm. You know, neither one of them have a bomb and they have size. Um, but Fritz made a big move. I, I, if I had to take one, probably, I still probably would take Jensen. Okay. I mean, I would probably, I, I think at the moment, uh, if you're asking me who's got the best chance right now, and I, and I agree, obviously, I don't think any of these guys we can look at and say they can win a major at this point. And like you said, the Agassi, Sampras, Chang, Courier, I mean, that's a different level. But uh, we've got, a, as you said, our best group that we've had in a long time. I'm leaning Opelka. At the moment, I know you were you were you were always pushing him a couple of years ago, and you sort of changed your tune a little bit now with Brooks being Corda. But I, I I love the way Opelka is working. I mean, he's obviously got this. He's holding sort of ninety seven percent of the time. He lost to Rafa in two tie breaks out in the desert. I think his movement. You know, you talk about Fritz's movement definitely has improved. I think Opelka is a better mover than Fritz, which, which is amazing, that, Patrick. Yeah. Op- He's he's a great mover. He's an NBA type mover, and I will be stunned if he. I said this a few years ago that he for sure is going to be top ten if he can improve. I'll just say it, it mini increments, but it, like he breaks ten percent of the time. If he can ever get to where he can break fifteen to seventeen percent of the time, mm. he's going to be a top five player in the world. That you know, like I said, the big if on Jensen Brooksby, if he can develop a serve, right? If Riley can take that next level on improving his return game, you know, it's not like all of a sudden you're going to see his whole game. But I, I think he, all four of those guys. Listen, Marty Fish is the Davis Cup captain's got options, maybe too many options now all of a sudden. But I, all of them. But we do need one of them. Mm-hmm. We do need one of these guys first to make a semi because it, it's kind of a thing. What do you think for the guys to be, I, I did it first. Now who's next. Yeah, so no. I do think that's yeah. really important for one of these guys to get to the business end of a slant. Yeah, and I think there's a chance this year and I agree with you. I, I, I like Corda's overall upside, maybe the, the biggest of any of them because his, his fluidity, his all court game, you know, he hits the ball pretty effortlessly. Uh, I do agree. Serve has to get bigger and he's had a little trouble in what you would call closing time. 
uh, recently, particularly against Rafa in the desert. He was up 5-2 double break in the third there. But when you look at the all-around easy firepower that he has, the ability to close, to get to the net, um, I think he's got that a little bit more than Brooksby does, although Brooksby, you know, slightly better mover, maybe better competitor. He's got that eclectic game that you let that word you like to use. So like you said, it's fun to watch because I think we've got multiple guys that can actually make a big run. But the guy to me, as I'm going to switch over to Mr. Alcaraz, because to me, yeah, he, I'll tell he, you what, I'll yeah. tell you one other thing, uh, one me. other thing about those four guys Right. You know, so many of our guys have just been based on a serve and a forehead. Right. And it's kind of unique now to see these guys. They all got a different game. Like, And Corda's got that unbelievable. He's got a nice demeanor and a great family with two sisters being a great golfer. Jensen's got this totally different game. So I, I do think they can all push each other and they've got different games. It's nice to see. Yeah, no, it is real nice to see. But how about Carlos Alcaraz? I mean, I think he's the next, like, number one, in my opinion. I know we like Sinner a lot. Uh, he's got some firepower. But to me, Alcaraz has just got it. I mean, he's got the full game. He doesn't have tremendous size. You know, you've pointed that out to me a couple of times. But what do you make of where he is right now? Well, he's a stock, right? He's an instant buy rating. You buy and you hold. And I am amazed. I feel like, you know, when I saw him a couple of years ago and, and he's got six, one listed. Okay. He's nowhere near say, I thought maybe that is just a projection where they're hoping he's going to get to six, eleven, <laughs> right. I mean, six, one. I mean, he's max five, 11 and a half. But what's amazing is he's not limited by that. High. I mean, he's cracking serves one thirty nine. I mean, he's got a live arm and a strong body already. And I, I think that there's a very good chance. He has four chances now. He'll be 19 in May to win a slam as a teenager. Mm. I would actually put the odds in his favor. Wow. That he wins the slam as a teenager as not. But, you know, so I would probably put it, I'd give him a probably. 53.97% chance of winning one of the next four. I mean, you, you, what do you feel about his chance of winning one of the next four slams? I, I like, I don't think he can win Wimbledon. Um, I think he could win the French. Yes, I do. And I want to ask you about that before I let you go. Cause we've already gone over what I, uh, what you promised me when you look at, uh, Novak Djokovic looks like he's going to play, be able to play Monte Carlo on clay because it's under French uh, governance, and then the French Open because they're loosening their restrictions there. Madrid, uh, Rome, up in the air whether he'll be able to play. Rafael Nadal uh, out for four to six weeks, which I think actually may be a blessing in some ways because I actually think that he played too much, Brad, on clay last year, which ended up hurting him in the French, and then he didn't play Wimbledon, and then, of course, had the foot injury. So it's, it's kind of shaping up to be pretty interesting with Djokovic you know, being able to play a couple events. He's going to play in Serbia as well uh, at the tournament there, and maybe we start to head towards Rome and potentially, obviously, the French Open with both Nadal and Djokovic at full strength. And then you've got, you know, can the younger guys step up? What what Alcaraz will do could be very interesting. I'll say right now, I might have him as 2A two, two favorite. And obviously, Sitsipas bet surface for sure is Clay. Uh, those two. And I'll just say with Djokovic, 
it's a little bit of a mystery because of, I just think that when you get so much equity by winning matches and which he had tons of, all of a sudden you know, you're not playing all this thing that's happened with COVID. He's not, he's in, he's out. I think it's been mentally taxing now, you know, it's kind of forgotten, but the guy that's been there the whole time is all of a sudden gone, Vita. So mm. there's a, mm-hmm. you know, if before COVID happened, before any of this happened, before he was unvaccinated, I thought that during this time, I just thought the Joker would be unstoppable. And I think now that there, even if he gets to play all through Europe, I got to see, I got to see results. I got to see how he gets his game back. And I do feel like a lot of these young guys, I want to see Alcaraz play him. I think he's going to come on court playing him thinking, okay, he's not the same. Maybe he gets it back. But I think that Alcaraz is going to be like, if somebody's got to play him in the fourth round of the slam, I'm going to say, oh, you know, (laughs) and if you're, if you like the bet, Throw throw a few shekels down now on Alcaraz because I, I think he he's right there and like I said I I like his chance of winning one of the next four slams because I, I like what Rafa said about him is he's humble mm. when you're humble you work hard Rafa said nothing but great things about him and he and he kept referring to how humble and how hard he works and he, he knows because that's what Rafa is. Yeah, nobody's been more humble over their incredible career than Rafael Nadal. All right, before I let you go, BJ, I got to get your take on because I know you're the you're the biggest sports fan we have and the most well versed in all sports outside of tennis from our ESPN team. March Madness down to the Sweet Sixteen. Who do you like? Well, I strictly I'm weak on this, but. I strictly am West Coast biased, and I know you're. Big, so, and I know you're a big NBA guy, so I'm, we'll get to the NBA yeah, later. I, I like NBA, believe it or not, ten times more because for some reason the college basketball and the NBA is a different sport. Mm-hmm. I I never seen so much bad shooting on threes on the first weekend, <laughs> right. and every time a player is in the air. My God, they're letting guys move in the air and they're calling charges. The refs control the game too much for me. It's like, stop calling charges. It's the refs and, then, the, the refs and never, the coaches could control the game too much in college. I agree. Yeah, they do yeah. too much. But but I'm rooting, believe it or not, for the Zags. They've been close mm-hmm. a bunch of times. UCLA or Arizona. So that's it. Just give me <laughs> West Coast. Okay. If it's outside of the West Coast, you know, I'm out. Um, obviously the great sentiment of Duke right. and, and, and you know, who's like, you know, who's a great coach, Jay, um, Wright, Jay, Wright, it, it, Villanova. Yeah. I can't believe you just called that. I, Cause I got the East coast connection being from New York. So I got the old big East, you know, Villanova days of Syracuse, Jimmy Bayheim, of course, they're now in the ACC. Uh, so, you know, St. John's with your buddy, Chris Mullen back in the day, Walter Berry. So I always, I, and I've got the West coast cause I went to Stanford. So I, I, I'm actually pulling for Gonzaga cause I would love to see them finally win it. But, you know, Villanova, don't ever sleep on Villanova. No, he's a hell of a coach. And you know what I like, to about that? He doesn't recruit the, you know, he doesn't have the one-and-done guys. He's got guys, and, and they learn to play. And actually, he's got older guys that go in the NBA that, that do successful. It's just like college tennis players. You can get better by learning 
do things that you don't have to learn it by the minute. It's great to see, and it looks like his kids play the right way, but I'm still rooting West Coast all the way. West Coast bias. I'm not I'm not like uh, uh, the greatness of Bill Walton, an only Pac-12, <laughs> right. so I'm, I'm going West Coast bias. Nobody better, everyone, than Brad Gilbert. Thank you, my man, for joining me yet again. Love it. Appreciate it. And uh, we miss doing these tournaments that we've done for so many years, Indian Wells, Miami. But you know what? Uh, we can I'm, keep I'm talking. disheveled about that. I'm here. I'm, I'm with disheveled you that. about that. But you know what it is right now, Patrick? What is it? It's beer time. Uh, I'll open one for you right now. The great Brad Gilbert, everyone, on Holding Court. Holding Court with Patrick McEnroe is powered by Mudhouse Media. Mudhouse Media.